Daily, it's the Nicole Sandler Show. All right. <laughs> it, it is. And you can tell, well, I can tell, certainly, that um, uh, this comes after a four-day weekend. I haven't had one of those in a long time, and I just, I've been ready and, and well, um, didn't get it all together <laughs> until just now. Uh, I realized at the last minute, was, oh, shit, I didn't do that yet, and I didn't do that yet, and I didn't do that yet. How quickly the mind forgets, you know? Well, here we are. It is the Monday after Thanksgiving. They call it Cyber Monday. And I actually made a purchase. I bought um, uh, I bought some canvases, like really nice canvases. So the next batch of paintings I do are going to be on like the really nice canvas because I got them for 60% off. Who, who doesn't love a bargain? Anyway, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We did. Let's see. We had... We made the butternut squash mac and cheese vegan. It's all vegan. So no cheese in the butternut squash mac and cheese. Though I tell you, the vegan cheeses they come out with, they've come out with recently, some of them are really, really good. But there was none in this <laughs> in this dish. And we had the enchilada pie. So that's th- those were our two dishes with with a lovely bottle of champagne. So that was that was our Thanksgiving. No turkey here. Um and then I enjoyed a few days off. Then yesterday, <laughs> I went out and I did my first event. Um, I met a lot of people, gave out a lot of, um, you know, flyers and business cards uh, promoting the the pet portraits that I'm I'm painting. I've got two the two that I'm currently uh, almost done with behind me. Um, and I thought I'd show you the booth. The the one good thing about this event was it was right on. If you're familiar at all with with uh, Fort Lauderdale Beach, right on Las Solas at the ocean. So, for those of you watching video, I'll show you. Like here's here's a photo of my booth that I had set up. Uh, and uh, the, but the better view, uh, other than this, the better view is looking out from inside the booth because I was just looking at well the road that's called A1A, which runs uh, parallel. Parallel? Yeah, parallel to the shoreline. Um, I'm looking right at it and the ocean and the cars, of course, that went by in between where I was and where the ocean was. There's no audio on YouTube. Oh, shoot. I'm not live on YouTube. See, what? I, here's what I said. Best laid plans. I, I, again, forgot to start the YouTube. I did everything else. Forgot to start the YouTube. What YouTubers, I'm so sorry. What I was saying at the beginning was that I was... Um, you could tell it had been a four-day weekend, and I hadn't had one of those in a while, and I was wholly unprepared to come back to work. I, I, I forgot my usual routine. Anyway, so I just showed you some pictures from the event I did yesterday. Had no sales, but a lot of people said they are going to be reaching out. to. It was a very touristy thing, a lot of out-of-towners. So a lot of people took my information, and <laughs> and there we are. Hi, YouTube. I, I really suck sometimes. Um, I could use a whole week off, to be honest with you. And I haven't done that since I went to um, Tulum the February after my surgery back in, what, 2016. Shortly after uh, the orange one took office, I got to go down to Tulum to a retreat for a month. So um, <laughs> Brian says the cat in the painting behind me looks kind of pissed. Um, she's an unusual looking cat. 
and uh, I've been going back and forth. She just, her coloring is very weird. And then there's the dog behind me in the sunglasses. That one's going down to Puerto Vallarta. So anyway, hi, here we are. Yes, I have business cards. Of course, Gary, I've got business cards for uh, my, for the radio show and I've got business cards for the painting. I've got business cards. <laughs> That's the least I can have. Anyway, um, here we are. We're, when we last, when we last spoke, we were awaiting the, um, the, the verdict in the Ahmed Arbery case. Did, did it come out before we went on the air on Friday, on Wednesday? I don't even remember anymore. The days all run together, but you know the outcome. The jury came back and found them guilty, found the shooter guilty on all counts, found the father guilty of everything, I think on seven of nine, um, and, and the other guy who was driving the other car and videotaping the murder, uh, they found him guilty of felony murder as well. So every once in a while, we get a good verdict. <laughs> Can't hold our breath for it or, you know, we'd all be dead. But, uh, you know, it shows you that justice can prevail in this country. Doesn't mean it always does, but it can. And now, okay, so now that first group of trials is over, right? For for a week or two, I was talking about the three. Um, we had the... Um, uh, the Ahmad Arbery case, obviously, which was found <laughs> correctly, that all three guilty. We like that. Kyle Rittenhouse, who literally got away with murder and is now a folk hero for the American right wing. Go figure. I don't understand it, but I guess some people do. And, of course, there are still the January 6th hearings. Oh, and the, the third one, I'm sorry, was the Charlottesville Virginia um, civil, federal civil suit brought against nine defendants, the organizers of um, the Unite the Right rally, the thing in Charlottesville where one woman, Heather Heyer, was killed. The nine organizers were all found guilty, although on the not of the federal charges, they couldn't come up with a, conspir- a federal conspiracy uh, conviction, but they did get them on local conspiracy charges and the fines amount to something like 27 million dollars so good luck you guys richard spencer and those other um, dregs of the earth who couldn't even afford an attorney to represent them so they represented themselves obviously did a bang-up job so those three trials are over thankfully and now the next batch starts, all while the hearings for the January 6th insurrectionists continue. And they're still having these phone hearings. They're not phone hearings. The hearings are in person. But most of the media and the public can listen in by dialing into a phone number. And what's happening now are all of the, the basically the plea deals. So these are the these are not the trials. These are the, I guess, preliminary hearings. So people who want to cut a plea deal with, with the government can do so. And so, for instance, the, the QAnon shaman last week, shaman, shaman, shaman um, cut a deal, got sentenced to 41 months in prison. And now he's saying, I had inadequate representation. And so he got a uh, signed on with one of I think Rittenhouse's lawyers, who who is going to appeal it. But I don't know if they can because he took a deal. 
So the trials, the ones who will not, you know, plea and and take whatever sentence is given them, um, will go to trial. Those trials are still a way, ways off. And most of those people are pissed because they're still in jail. All right, so there's the status of the, the three, four, well, the three plus January 6th cases that we had been following, right? Now we move on to the next segment, I guess, of court cases. Um, the first one began today, and it's, how do you pronounce her name? Galen Maxwell? Um, yeah, she is, I guess, was a British socialite. Her father was some kind of a media magnet, I, I think in the UK, and she befriended Jeffrey Epstein for whatever reason and was basically his procurer of uh, underage girls. So the trial began today, and, and what from what I understand, and I didn't see any of it, I don't even know if it's televised, but they basically had the jury picked already. There was a problem with the employer of one of the jurors that was expected to get... Um, to get uh, um, figured out this morning, and then they were going to begin with the trial. So to to just bring you up to speed on who she is, uh, Ghislaine, it's spelled G-H-I-S-L-A-I-N-E, but I think it's pronounced Ghislaine. Ghislaine Maxwell uh, allegedly conspired with Jeffrey Epstein to entice minor females to travel, to engage in criminal sexual activity, uh, she's charged with transporting minors to engage in criminal sexual activity and to engage in sex trafficking of a minor. She pleaded not guilty. Um, oh, she faces six counts related to this involvement to get underage girls to travel and have illegal sex with Epstein and others, whoever he told them to go service. Um Epstein, of course, they tell us, died by suicide in jail in custody two years ago. I'm still not so sure about that. I get, I mean, I look, I, I, I tend to believe the facts as presented. This just is too convenient. And um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But this is the official story that, that, uh, uh, that he died by suicide, by hanging in his cell. Maxwell pleaded not guilty. If convicted, she faces up to 70, count them, seven zero years in prison. And that's good. Um, if you were listening during the trial, the Rittenhouse trial, um, uh, our old friend Jack Rice joined us one day, and he said, you know, once these end, there are other cases standing by, and especially there in Minneapolis, in Minnesota, they were, they're all like just on edge waiting for this um, trial of, of Kim Potter to begin. Kim Potter, jury selection began today. Kim Potter is the, the now former police officer in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. Minnesota, she's accused of fatally shooting, well, killing, shooting to death a man named Dante Wright. Do you remember this? It was last April, a traffic stop where she reached for what she allegedly thought was her taser, but it was her service revolver. Um, So she mistook her service weapon for a taser. She fired a live bullet at him instead of her taser. This is a 20-some-odd-year veteran of the police force who made such a ridiculously stupid mistake. 
I don't see how that's possible, though I can't imagine why she'd want to um, uh, uh, do it. Uh, what is it? The title on my Twitch stream is saying the show is the adoption show. Oh, I forgot to uh, I forgot to update it. I should have updated it. I told you, Seafields uh, in the YouTube chat room is telling me the the title on my sh- the show that's streaming on Twitch is has not been updated from last Wednesday, and um, it, it all I put it all off to a four day weekend. See, when I'm on a roll. And I do the same thing day in and day out. A lot of it is by habit. You know, you just, you, you do it. But after a four-day break, I'm a bit brain dead. And I, I, I think it's a combination of adult ADD, which I absolutely suffer from. And it sounds like a really lame excuse to me. Okay, be that way. Uh, oh, you're talking about the cop, the former cop. <laughs> Whatever. Mine is a lame excuse too. Anyway. So this Kim Potter jury selection began today. The Jelaine Maxwell trial started today. The January 6th stuff is still going on. And now, although we were thinking that um, the House was going to uh, refer Mark Meadows to the Justice Department for failure to comply with a subpoena, that's not the first one they're going after. Instead... They're going after Jeffrey Clark. Do you remember Jeffrey Clark? Jeffrey Clark was the last, you know, nobody DOJ official, a lawyer with the Justice Department, who Trump brought in to try to threaten this the guy Jeffrey Rosen that he replaced Bill Barr with. You got you're following me here? It's kind of complicated, but so was the former guy, right? So he had Bill Barr, who was doing his bidding as attorney general. And Trump has always said, I want my Roy Cohn. So he wanted somebody like a fixer to be his attorney general, to do his personal bidding, which is not the role of the attorney general. The attorney general is the people's uh, the people's lawyer, right, represents the Constitution, not the president. But Trump, you know, Trump never read the Constitution. Trump doesn't understand anything about government. So he just thought, well, the attorney general should be my guy. And so he got Bill Barr, who did his bidding until the insurrection. And I guess that was even a bridge too far for Bill Barr, who soon after resigned. He said, I'm having none of this. So Trump appoints this guy, Jeffrey Rosen. And Jeffrey Rosen, go figure, also has at least a modicum of integrity. And he's like, I'm not going to steal an election for you. I am not going to upend the rules. I'm not going to commit fraud to imply that the other people committed fraud. I'm not going to do this. So Trump threatened him. Trump pulled another, you know, backbencher lawyer from the Justice Department, a guy named Jeffrey Clark, who would do his bidding and threatened to replace Jeffrey Rosen with Jeffrey Clark. Until the other officials at the Justice Department said, you do that, we all walk. There would have been a midnight mass exit from the DOJ had Trump done this. And finally, he backed off. So um, you got, uh, what's his name, um, Jeffrey Clark, who, who refused to comply with the subpoena. I don't know what world these people live in. Well, I guess they live in this world where so far there haven't been any consequences. And that 
my friends, is the problem. If there are no consequences to bad behavior, I can tell you this as a very permissive mother, then the bad behavior continues. Continues. It just does. You have to have some discipline. And unfortunately, our government seems to have, for the most part, operated fairly um, easily with just the rules. Because most presidents, you know, there were a few Richard Nixon and there were a few bad apples in there. But for the most part, they understood the rules and they complied with them until the orange man, until Donald Trump, who said, fuck the rules. I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got attorneys and I pay them to comb through everything and find the little loopholes that I can take advantage of and get my way. And I guess what he realized is, you know what, they can subpoena you. And yeah, I know it's the United States Congress. They have awesome powers. But there's no enforcement. There's no, there's no procedure to enforce those rules. They just take it for granted that anybody who reaches high office like that has got to follow the rules. They understand the norms, that how this country has operated for 250 years until Trump. Because he thinks the rules don't apply to him. And that's where we are. So um, so the, the, the House Select Committee investigating the events of January 6th are voting to, uh, Wednesday. Sorry, not today. God forbid they do anything quickly. They're back from recess. Well, kind of today, but really tomorrow. Right? So, um, and so the, the, the committee will vote on Wednesday to censure Jeffrey Clark, ooh, the big bad censure word. And that sets up a full House vote on referring him to the Justice Department for prosecution, I guess for contempt of Congress, for refusing to comply with the subpoena. You think Mark Meadows is scared? They're trying to give him more time to, you know, negotiate a way to cooperate. Oh, please. Oh, please. Um. So that's all going on. Um, there was something else that, uh, oh, oh, I know. So with all this other stuff going on, let me tell you what else is happening this week. Wednesday, another red letter day on Wednesday, the Supreme Court hears an official challenge to Roe v. Wade. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, it's the Mississippi abortion case. Um and it is, unlike the Texas case, which I think they're going to roll into this one, frankly, um, but this is the Mississippi abortion case. It is an official challenge to Roe v. Wade. And while they'll hear the case Wednesday, this is one of the biggies, so they probably won't rule on it until June, unless people like Amy Coney Barrett and Clarence Thomas and Alito, and and I was going to say Scalia, but thankfully he's dead. Um, uh, who's the other one? Sorry, I'm mucking up my brain. Um, The right-wingers on the court, and and I'll put it really, oh, Kavanaugh and um, Gorsuch, of course. Of course, of course. A horse of... uh, Sorry, I (laughs) digress. I need another weekend. Um, They want to get rid of women's right to choose what happens with our body, except, of course, if you don't want to get vaccinated. That they think you have the right to go around and 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 pass your infection to other unsuspecting people around you but when it comes to has to do with your body 
they don't think you have that right. So that's what they're going to go to court Wednesday, the Supreme Court, and argue that we need to overturn Roe v. Wade. Just lovely. Oh, and then Friday, the government runs out of money again. I know. So, you know, why even think that Congress should have stayed in session until they got this fixed? No, they had to go home for Thanksgiving, don't you know? And they had to go home two weeks before that for Veterans Day. They needed a week off. Didn't you get a week off for Veterans Day? Even if you weren't a veteran? Of course you didn't. But Congress did. And now they're back for like two weeks and then they go again. But before they go, they have to fix the the government running out of money, right? A funding bill for next year. And then the debt ceiling, which kind of is also due this Friday. But now they're stretching it out and said, well, maybe they can stretch it to like December 13th or something. Of course, right before they're scheduled to go on break again. Uh, again, I've changed my name back, or I will on the website. Just put a CY in front of Nicole, and you got cynical. Yeah, that's that's me. Um, so so uh, over the well over the weekend, over the four day weekend, I read an article in the Washington Post that that just underscored um, the really shitty situation we're in, leading up to the twenty twenty four midterm elections. There is um, an article in the Washington Post. It was published November 23rd, so I believe that was Wednesday. Wednesday, right. And the headline reads, Competitive House Districts Are Getting Wiped Off the Map. This is about gerrymandering. And this is what I've been telling you for years now was going to happen, that the the... Whoever had control of the state houses, the state assemblies, state government in 2020 was going to control this country for at least the next decade. Because in 2020, every 10 years, we take a census. And the census was sort of taken last year, but you got to remember who was in charge. The, uh, the former guy, the Trump administration looked upon the census as an annoyance, a joke, and something they tried to undermine every step of the way. You remember they tried to shorten the amount of time. They tried to delay getting started on it. They did everything except tell people, don't bother. Don't bother participating in the census. Don't fill it out. We don't need an accurate count of people in the United States. They tried to get it limited. They tried to put a citizenship question on the questionnaire. Well, the census was never designed to count how many citizens and how many non-citizens are here. It was designed to count how many people reside in each district so that appropriate resources can be allocated. That's what the census is for. It determines representation, how many members each state gets in Congress. Of course, the Senate is so ridiculous. Each state gets two, whether they have 100,000 people like, you know, North Dakota, perhaps, or millions and millions like California. They each have the same representation, which in my mind is bullshit. It's it's ridiculous. We need to abolish the Senate. We just do. It's a, it's a it's a non-democratic um, uh, way of rule. But the way the, the Senate rules 
is undemocratic as well because it's not majority rule. It's minority rule because of the filibuster. But, you know, more on that another day. You've already heard it from me, but I'm sure you'll hear it again. But back to the census. So now that Trump's very skewed census numbers are out, they are not accurate. The seats have been lost in some states. Congressional seats have been gained. But the important part is now each state gets to draw their districts. Isn't that fun? Because, boy, this is the most creative map uh, drawing ever. So um, that's where the word gerrymander came from. It, this, is, this is how gerrymandering happens. In this case... It's not always been the Republicans, but right now it most certainly is. And they are drawing the districts to for maximum um, uh, uh, for maximum representation on their side. Let me see if I did I pull this up. I thought um, I, I got some really um, really good images, and of course, you know, ADD holiday weekend brain i forgot to uh load them but um while i try to find this you know oh there it is okay is th- this is it this this image that i'm about to show you if i can get it up here um this was i believe the original gerrymandered uh districts in uh massachusetts and I should wait, I should bring in our guest who will tell you more about this. He's much more knowledgeable on this subject than I am. But this is, if you're watching on video, this is the gerrymander monster. That's what it is. They took the map from Massachusetts. I thought I had the map here somewhere. I'm sure I do. I'll look for it when when we get David Daly in. Um, But that's what it looked like. They drew the lines around these districts that were so gerrymandered, and it looks like a dragon. And I guess the dragon is now here <laughs> and trying to get us. So this is uh, the perfect perfect time to bring in our guest. Uh, you've heard him on this show before, as well as others. I know David Daly has also been on with our pal Brad Friedman many, many times talking about the same issues, but it's an issue that we must all be concerned with right now. David Daly is the author of um, Rat Fucked, um, and, uh, oh, Dave, I, you know, I, I always, oh, and I got, hold on. We got sound coming through this computer. I got to bring it down. I'm having a, a bad case of the day after Thanksgiving, uh, weekend of forgetting how to do my job because I've been off for four days. Uh, anyway, there we go. Hey, David Daly. Hello, Nicole Sandler. How are you, my friend? Oh, you know, I, I'm doing okay, except when I, I actually stop and, think about what's happening like the four days off were great because yeah. i tried to escape from all of this reality but now we're back at work and boy reality hits you like a like a ton of bricks against the head um and so i sent you when i asked you to join us today i had sent you an article that appeared in the washington post i think it was last wednesday about how now that the census is done such as it was and Republicans rule most of the state legislatures. Now they get to have their fun by drawing, redrawing districts, congressional districts, and the maps on how they're split. And lo and behold, our old friend Gerrymander is back again. Um, this is really scary stuff because with it, before a single vote is even cast, it looks like the Democrats have lost the House. 
Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. And I think it's not just for 2022, but it's for a decade to come. The maps that Republicans managed to draw back in 2011 after their big win in the 2010 midterms really locked in control in state legislatures around the country. Uh Democrats would win hundreds of thousands of more votes in states like North Carolina and Pennsylvania and Michigan, Wisconsin. And yet they never sniffed control of the state legislature in any of those years. And it has given Republicans a massive leg up in the battle for Congress as well, the U.S. House. And what is unfolding right now really is a a partisan bloodbath. Um, Republicans are cementing their control in states like Ohio and Texas and Florida and North Carolina, Georgia. They are wiping competitive seats off the map everywhere they can find them. They're taking cities like Salt Lake City and Oklahoma City, where Democrats managed to win the occasional competitive seat back in 2018, and they're slicing and dicing those cities into four parts when it comes to uh, Salt Lake and three parts oh in Oklahoma God. City. And it is, it's, it's ugly for Democrats, and um, there's not a lot of, um, you know, I hate to come on the show and say it's, it's all dark and no stars, but um, at in in this moment, things look very, very dark for the Democrats. Right. And then the next thing I'm reading is Democrats, congressional Democrats, are deciding not to run for re-election. And today, whoever announced they're not, somebody who's going to run for governor instead of trying to go back to the House, um, there are more Democrats announcing they won't run for re-election than there were in 2010 when mm. when the Democrats lost so many seats, the first midterm during Obama's um, term. So that doesn't bode well either. That's always a bad sign. That's a historical indicator. And, you know, certainly another historical indicator is that, um, you know, the the party that is in control tends to lose seats in the midterm. So Democrats were already swimming upstream when it comes to the 2022 midterms. But when you add in redistricting, it really makes the path virtually impossible. There simply aren't going to be a road to 218 seats. Um, if there is, it's really difficult for me to see it. Um, and this is deeply problematic for the next decade. You already have a U.S. Senate uh, that has uh, structural advantages for the Republican Party. Uh, You've got an electoral college. You've got a a Supreme Court that um, also structurally has, has come to favor the Republicans. When you add the U.S. House and all of these state legislatures into the mix, we're looking at Another decade of entrenched Republican rule in in many of these states, which will be the second decade in a row in places like North Carolina and Wisconsin and Ohio. Uh, You're looking at a generation. These state legislatures have made it really clear what they will do on issues like abortion and reproductive rights. And they are signaling what they will do when it comes to election certification and administration in 2024, which could make what happens what happened on January 6th of this last year looked like a dress rehearsal for the kind of constitutional chaos we could see 
um, after the next presidential election. Right. And and one other thing to keep in mind that's that's equally, um, uh, you know, devastating is you take in, into account those those states that um, I'm sorry, where where the the Republicans are winning. They're, they're picking up seats. They've gerrymandered it. Democrats, in most cases, not in all, but in many, are winning the popular vote. They're getting more votes. For instance, in the last, I don't know how many elections, but many, you'll look at the congressional elections as a whole. Democrats have won the popular vote, like they did with the presidency in in 2020 and in many years recently. But the Republicans pick up the seats and have the majority. You're right. I mean, if only we elected much of anything in this country by a national popular vote. Right. right. Um, but I mean, Democratic candidates won the popular vote for the U.S. House in 2020 by about 4.7 million, um, which is a pretty healthy margin. Mm-hmm. But because of Republican gerrymandering, they were only able to effectively hold a five seat majority in the House. Uh, when Republicans won about a 4.2, 4.3 million margin back in 2014, that equated to 247 seats. And so that you begin to see what Republicans have done when it comes to just shrinking the map for uh, Democrats again and again in state after state. The numbers on this are really brutal. I mean, after the 2018 election, you had 59 million Americans living in a state in which one or both chambers of the state legislature was controlled by Republicans, even though Democratic candidates won more votes statewide. You look at a state like North Carolina, where Democratic candidates for the U.S. House win more votes, but Republicans hold eight of the 13 seats right now. Um, And there are just example of example of that across the country. And you can't find a single example of a state where Republicans win more votes, but Democrats hold more seats. Wow. And, and that's uh, it's incredible. I mean, it's just astounding here in Florida. A, a perfect example the the number of registered Democrats far outnumbered Republicans for many, many, many years. But Republicans have controlled the legislature and the governor's office since I've been back here. And that's like 15 years and now this year, the Republicans overtook the, the in, in registrations. So Florida is now a red state. It was what? a blue state. Yeah. Republicans have done this really effectively in, in Florida. Um, and it's amazing because in 2010, you had a, a fair district amendment that was passed. Yes, constitutional amendments in the state of Florida that yep. were supposed to guarantee nonpartisan redistricting uh, for both Congress and for the state legislature. And as you well know, it takes 60% of the vote in Florida to pass something like this. So, you know, it's not just a bunch of, you know, Democrats and, 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 and a handful of, of good government independents that got together and passed this voters of all kinds hate gerrymandering. Um, Republicans ignored it. And what they did was they created a secret shadow redistricting process that took five years for the state courts to uncover. um, And, uh, remake a handful of districts as a result. Um, But Republicans have been brutal about this. This has been the MO in, in all of these close states, whether it is Michigan or Ohio or Florida or North Carolina, 
Now you're seeing it in, uh, you know, in Georgia and Texas and Arizona and states where the demographics are beginning to swing against them. They have built these barriers through redistricting that ensures that they have control no matter what happens. Democrats for years used to think that demographics was destiny, that the changing American electorate would eventually turn them into the majority party. And what Republicans have well understood is that the ability to draw lines can overwhelm even even that kind of majority. Just look at a state like Texas. Mm-hmm. 95% of the population growth in Texas over the course of the last 10 years that won the state two additional seats in the House through reapportionment, driven by minority population growth, largely Latino, Asian, and then Black population. Right. And Republicans were able to draw new maps in Texas for Congress that actually take away political power and opportunity districts from Latino and Black voters and increase the political power of white conservative voters in the state. When you've got the power to draw the lines, you have the ability to lock yourself into power um, and never lose. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up um, a map that I just found, a Texas redistricting map. So you can you can um, comment on it. And it's it shows you how they're shrinking the blue areas and enlarging the red areas. It's it. They're not even trying to hide it, I guess, because there's maybe nothing we can do about it. They don't have to hide it really any longer because the U.S. Supreme Court back in 2019 said this is perfectly fine. Uh, the U.S. Court, Supreme Court in uh, Common Cause versus Rucho, they effectively closed the doors uh, of the federal courthouses to partisan gerrymandering claims. And this has given lawmakers effectively a green light and no speed limit. They know that the Supreme Court is not going to get involved. And so they are able to engage in this, you know, bacchanalia, this, 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 this orgy of partisan gerrymandering, knowing full well that there will not be any consequences at the federal level. And that in many states, they've got the state courts wired as well. Um, you know, it's not as if the state Supreme Court in Texas or Georgia is likely to uh, do anything about this. Uh, so it's, 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 it's bleak for voters in those states. Um, it, it's horrible. And, and David, let me ask you this. Do you think it happened because um, Democrats are ineffective because they, they took their eye off the ball because they didn't, I don't know. They didn't pay attention to what was going on. I think that's a long and complicated question. Let me give you the best answer I can. I think in 2010, that's absolutely the case. And so much of what we're living with now is left over from the gerrymanders of 2010. And, Democrats after the 2008 election, I think, were overconfident. They believed that the changing demographics were going to lock them into power. Um, And Republicans took a look at this and said, we have to find a path back. And they settled on a redistricting and they launched a really sophisticated play to take over state legislatures, which I detail in Ratfucked, um, kind of how this happens state by state Mm -hmm. and take you behind the scenes of it. And um, 
So Democrats certainly took their eye off the ball in 2010. But by the middle of the decade, they realized what had happened. And they tried, I think, very hard in um, in all of these states to try to flip legislative chambers in 2020 and to win seats back at the table. And it's really, really difficult to undo a gerrymander, even 10 years later now. That's what the technology has done to these maps. So Democrats worked really hard to try to win seats at the table in, 28, in 2018 and 2020 to try to win legislative chambers in, in North Carolina and Pennsylvania, and, you know, but they weren't able to do so. Uh, and here we are uh, living with this for yet another decade. Another decade. And meantime, Supreme Court is what moved extremely to the right. Uh, uh, on Wednesday, they start hearing the challenge to Roe v. Wade. This country is moving hard right. I mean, this is frightening. And when you, I mean, I know you you can't do the woulda, coulda, shouldas. I live in that world. Unfortunately, I, it's it's the mantra that plays in my head and it's not healthy. But you, you do need to learn from your mistakes. And I don't think we have. The Democrats right now, the one thing they really need to do to ensure that elections are free and fair going forward is pass some kind of voting rights legislation. And there doesn't seem to be any sense of urgency there. Well, I think there is some urgency. There's just not 50 votes. Um, You know, I mean, I think that you've got 48 Democrats in the U.S. Senate who understand this. It, It cleared the U.S. House fairly unanimously. Um, among Democrats, uh, it was a party line vote in the House. Um, but you've got Senator Manchin and Sen- Senator Cinema, uh, who will not get behind it, who still pretend that this can be done in, in some kind of a bipartisan basis. Um, and they won't amend the filibuster process or even do a carve out for voting rights. And this is the tragedy of this moment, right? I mean, Democrats have got complete control of Washington. If only they could figure out a way to use that power. You can see the slow motion constitutional crisis that is unfolding in state capitals around the country. The Republican game plan is obvious. The impact of what these maps will be is obvious. Democrats could pass legislation right now to blunt that impact, and they're not able to do it because of the filibuster. Yet another structural um, impediment uh, to democracy that favors the Republican party and is an impediment to democracy is standing in the way. And, you know, um, what we're looking at is an entrenched enduring Republican minority rule, despite the fact that the people are not interested in heading in that direction. We are heading in a hard right direction and the voters can't do anything to stop it, even a majority of us. This is this is like the stuff of that the the classic dystopian novel that you think that can never happen. And it's happening and we're seeing it play out. And yet the majority of us are powerless to do anything about it. Was there a point that we could have stopped this? Maybe during Obama's term? Should, should safeguards have been put in place? There I go again with the, the good what it could have should have. But I think it's a valid question. No, I think it's a great question. You know, I mean, I think Democrats simply, Democrats missed the importance of the 2010 
midterms. And they should certainly take some a lot of blame for this. And and I hand out a lot of it in Rat Fucked, Um, you know, but um, once that die was cast, it's really interesting because when if you talk to a political scientist about gerrymandering and polarization, they say, yeah, well, you know, gerrymanders work themselves out over a decade and, you know, eventually people move or they die or new voters come right. in and, yeah. and there's a political realignment around an issue. Um, and, you know, it's not always that big of a deal. What we've and I think Democrats in 2008 probably felt that way because that had sort of been the history of gerrymandering. Uh-huh. But the. The difference is that the maps that were drawn in 2011 were being drawn with this sophisticated uh, computer map making technology, the fastest, most powerful computers that you could possibly imagine, and with voluminous uh, terabytes of voter data that could be mined to draw surgical, precise maps on which the party drawing them could not lose and they have not lost for a decade on them and i don't think i don't think democrats understood how the redistricting game had changed entering 2011 uh, i'm not even entirely sure republicans knew how good that these maps would be um, huh. but they have lasted and you can't understand what's happened to our politics over the course of the last decade or where it's going for the next decade without understanding what happened in that election. Right. And, and, and but here we are. So so Dave Daly, we talked to your, your book Rat Fucked, which brought to light all of these problems. You followed that with the book Unrigged. So uh, uh, Unrigged, How Americans Battled Back to Save Democracy. Did we? Uh, well, yes. I mean, we are battling back. Uh, it's just that uh, it's it's not easy. Um, I mean, if you look back at 2018, at, at 2020, you can see the citizen efforts to, you know, pass Medicaid expansion in Idaho and Nebraska. I tell those stories in, in this book. They're amazing stories of progressive change in red states where you could never imagine it happening, um, of the the story, as we talked about in Florida, to um, to end felony disenfranchisement right. um, and reinstate 1.4 million more voters to the the voting rolls who effectively lost their and we their passed right to vote we forever. passed all of that, and yet here we are. We passed all of these things, the redistricting reform efforts that uh, won around the country, and what Republicans have done. Uh, is continue to uh, find end runs around all of these all of these reform efforts. You know the story in Florida. Uh, you know, I mean, a gerrymandered state legislature and a packed state supreme court effectively added a poll tax on top of uh, the the. Uh, the, the felony, the felony thing. So basically, what they said is, yeah, okay, felonies, sure, you you voted, they get the right to vote, but they have to pay off all debts um, yeah. associated with their confinement, with their imprisonment before they can vote. Well, and by the way, we can't even tell you how much you owe, right. and it's probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you're probably not going to be able to afford it or be interested in uh, spending the money on your ability to vote in our gerrymandered rigged elections. Anyway, um, so you know. This is 
Republicans have been monomaniacal about this. Wherever citizens have found a way to fix a process, they have it's kind of like an episode of Stranger Things or something, you know, (laughs) the upside down (laughs) who find their way in through the window. If you lock the door, I mean, Michigan is one of my favorite examples on the independent redistricting commission voters in Michigan, 62% of them pass uh, this, this independent commission Republicans find a way in through the legal counsel and the most brazen Republican National Committee master gerrymanders uh, become the council, a litigation council to the independent commission. They just don't give up. Um, And that's something that, um, I mean, I suppose that's what happens when you know you can't win a majority. You you work all the harder to try to figure out uh, other ways to stay in power anyway. And then they but go and then they the accuse the, and then they accuse the Democrats of, of start trying to steal every election, which is just got a propaganda machine that, that that amplifies all of that. And, you yep. know, social media bots that push it into every home and to every, you know, racist uncle on, on Thanksgiving. Um, and there you go. I mean, I mean, it's it's a it's it's a pretty good operation if you're looking to um, cement a minority rule. It is. And this this propaganda push, um, the fact that they have media on their side pushing the, the these lies is is truly dangerous. A, a perfect point has nothing to do with elections, but a very old dear friend of mine who's not political, but but tries to be a good person, very spiritual, you know, wants to do good for the world. I find out she and her boyfriend both came down with COVID. And I said, you're kidding. Are, are you, you were vaccinated, right? No, I just don't trust big pharma. And now that we've had it, I, I heard there's this Israeli study that says, you know, now our antibodies are 27 times more likely to keep us protected. She's buying, she's getting this Fox nonsense funneled down to her somehow because I know she doesn't watch Fox that she's believing this stuff and not taking the vaccine. I'm mortified that otherwise have, reasonable people right. are thinking like this because they've been led that way. Well, you have the Fox nonsense on one side, and then you've got a mainstream media that has gotten better on some of these democracy issues, but that still covers a lot of these voting rights issues through a both sides. That's right. Lens, That's right. Or through a horse race lens. And if Democrats lose the house, in 2022, we're going to read a million stories about how it's because of defund the police yep. or it's because of critical race theory or because it's about parents and school boards and masks. When in reality, the fix is in when the lines were drawn. This is a structural problem. It's not a policy and politics uh, question. You know, this isn't it's not going to be about any of the things that meet the press or the, you know, double bylined New York Times politics uh, story tells you that it's about. It's going to be about redistricting, period. So we have no recourse. I mean, what what uh, you seem very calm about this. I'm, you know, I'm I'm ready to jump through the roof. Is there any solution uh, or do we just sit back and go with the flow? Um, you know, we're running out of time for solutions. I mean, 
Um, you know, I think that there are big structural fixes that would certainly help us. And I think the first thing the Democrats can do is they can pass the Freedom to Vote Act. Yes. And they can pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, um, and they can attempt to win some uh, some weapons to sort of fight back in 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 courts and to reinstate preclearance um, and to do you know a lot of things that would make it much harder for these maps to hold up in court or for these anti democratic practices to to take hold in the first place. Um, we could also you know, think big. I mean, I think we need to recognize that it is our, it, it is our system of electing state legislators and, and U.S. House members into single-member districts that allows for so much of the extremism in our politics and that makes where these lines go so all-important. And if we were to shift to a system of larger multi-member districts, embrace ranked choice voting and a more proportional system of representation, um, I think you would see a lot of the problems of gerrymandering dissipate. Um, that's a big structural push. Right. Can it be one in this Congress? No. Uh, you know, it's a longer, it's a long fix. Um, but there are things that can be done. Uh, but we have our house on fire in 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 many ways um as we try to look towards long-term fixes democrats have got a brief window here they're not going to have the house in all likelihood after january of 2023 nope. the u.s senate is it is frankly a up. yep but i i mean democrats are never going to have 60 votes in the u.s senate again no those no. days those days have passed it's 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 really hard to see how that can happen again even though it was only you know 12 or so years ago when they won that supermajority. um and we don't know what's gonna happen in the white house in 2024 uh but they've got the power now should they decide to use it well it, and and it all, I, I hate to say it but in this right now it seems like it all comes down to yeah. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, yeah. and they Should can. Presidents Manchin and Cinema allow the Democratic majority in Washington to save the basic uh, tenets of representative democracy. We might still have it after the 2022 and 2024 election if if our co-presidents from West Virginia and Arizona decide not to do that. Uh, I think the outlook we're fucked. We are really uh, fucked and think, not in a good way. Yeah, I think you said it better than me. Yeah, and not and not in a good way. Yes. Yeah, I, I hate to leave it there. Welcome back from Thanksgiving, everybody. But, then, you know, this is where we Hope are. You. But I'll tell you what's Hope so... you still have some bourbon. <laughs> right. A lot, of, a lot of alcohol um, and medical marijuana in this house. But the, 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 the thing that's so astounding is they're also dealing with this Friday... The deadline where the government runs out of funding again, and then the and then the debt ceiling, and you know they just they just took off a week for Thanksgiving, and before that they took off a week for Veterans Day. What the fuck? Part of me says we we get exactly what we deserve. These are the people we elect. We deserve it. But then again, this is who runs. Chuck Schumer is uh, possibly bad at this job. You think? 
Um, and Nancy Mitch Pelosi, McConnell who is allegedly is as really, good as they get, still the fact that they went on recess last week yeah. while the we run out of money on Friday and the debt ceiling is so this threatens the good faith and credit of the country. And by all reports, if we default, you think things are bad now? You think inflation's bad now? Just wait. And it's like the Republicans are delighting in this because they think they're watching Joe Biden's uh, poll numbers plummeting. <laughs> Democrats, like, the Democrats should have come in in January and moved on all everything. of this. And the fact that it is almost December and there has been no movement in reality on any of these issues is... You know, I mean, I mean, uh, some of it is borderline incompetence. It, it definitely is. And here's the thing. There is no alternative. So you say, fuck the Democrats. I'm done with them. And I've heard that from so many people. Yeah. What's you it? Go? You're going to go to the Republicans? Sorry. I mean, as Costa bad Rica, as- I think, would be your only option in that case. Who would? What, what? What? Or, I mean, Costa Rica. Costa Rica. You know? Yeah, I know. I know. So uh, my friend got a laugh. They're moving to Canada. Yeah. Um uh, I think I think uh, we are we are getting to that point where people who don't want to live under entrenched Republican hard right minority rule and this Supreme Court uh, are probably going to be examining what options they have their options are and it's it's you know it's ugly yeah you know i'm almost feeling guilty because i adopted my daughter 21 years ago last week by the way from kazakhstan and i thought i'll take her from this authoritarian regime hmm. this not very good place to live and bring her to america Can and you go now, back with her uh she, i don't know she's got dual citizenship i believe maybe you do too now I, I don't know, but I can look into. I don't think I want to live in Kazakhstan. Do is adopt kids from other countries and then and then and then claim the citizenship and go back. Yeah, but do they have kids like adopt? I'm trying to think from Costa Rica or Australia or mm-hmm. I'm trying to think where in the world I'd want to go because much of the rest of the world is is going in the same direction, which is truly frightening. Yes. <laughs> I I feel really bad. I feel like this is the the doom and gloom hour uh, because we don't have an answer. The answer is to change things, and maybe we need another massive march in in the world, like we had on January twenty first, two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen, and show that this is not okay and that we're not going to stand for it. But I, there's no follow through. Just like there's no um, there's no enforcement. Of the congressional subpoena. There's no enforcement of their oversight of the executive branch, even though it's in the Constitution. There is no method of enforcement. So the Republicans are free to steal everything and say that we're the ones trying to steal from them. And we just have to sit and hope our Democratic leaders are going to do something about it. A lack of shame is a really powerful weapon. In, okay. in, 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 it comes in very useful in our politics and one side has got it um down in 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 excess yes they do and we are in a dark place because of it um and this has been a lot of fun but i need a drink now nicole yes so do i (laughs) good thing the hour's over i'm so sorry i i wish i could have ended on an up note but hey this is happening but it's not so it's on us 
we need to do something. David Daly, you're doing your part. The book's unrigged and and rat fucked. Read them and do something. Thank you so much for joining us. We fight on. Thank you. We do. All right. You take care, Dave. Bye-bye. Oh, boy. And with that, um, there's David Daly for you. Uh, I I'll always love talking with him because he knows so much about the subject, but I, I'm hesitant to bring it up much these days because of where we are. And where we are is not a good place. I'm sorry. Welcome back from your Thanksgiving holiday. And hey, I hope you're doing some good shopping on Cyber Monday. All right. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> I'll tell you what the answer is. On Wednesday, I just confirmed it. Well, she just answered me, um, and I haven't spoken to her yet. But Kelly Carlin, yes, the daughter of George Carlin, is going to be here on Wednesday. And you want to hear what she has to say. Kelly does, she is, um, she does some comedy. She does a show on Sirius XM. She does a podcast, I think, if she's still doing it. But she also studied psychology for many years and she's she she's not your typical psychologist she does like one-on-one trainings and she does these events and she's got one coming up and it's a year-end thing and it's how to go into the new year with a new energy and a new um attitude and i think we could all use that right about now so kelly carlin will join us on wednesday i don't know about you but i really need it (laughs) All right. Well, go. There's the echo again. Why is there an echo? There shouldn't be an echo right now. There's only one window open. Well, it's the end of the hour. So um, I'm done. Did I become a robot? I'm echoing, huh? All right. Well, on that note, I'll leave you. We'll be back tomorrow. I don't know what we're doing yet tomorrow, but I'll figure it out before then. (laughs) And uh, yeah. Oh, I see. I see why there's an echo. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Okay. You go away. Why is it doing this? I've got all this stuff here. All right. Um, I am actually just going to play what's news, but I'm trying to get rid of these different windows (laughs) that popped up. All right. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thank you for listening. I will leave you with the news. Why is it doing this? I don't know. And there's going to be an echo if I do it that way, too. Um, Too weird. I just don't know what's going on. I know how I can do this. Hold on. I want to get rid of the echo um, for you before I play the news. So let's try it this way. Will this work? If I get rid of that and that. No, I, I don't know what I did here. All right. I'm just going to give you the news. All right. I'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Hopefully the echo will go away. Bye. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Happy Hanukkah. The Festival of Lights began Sunday night and will continue until sundown on December 6th. When we last convened on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, the jury deciding the fate of the three men on trial for the murder of Ahmed Arbery was still deliberating. Well, they returned their verdicts later that afternoon, finding all three white men charged in the killing last year of a 25-year-old black man guilty of murder. Travis McMichael, the man who actually shot and killed Arbery, was convicted on all nine counts, including malice murder and four counts of felony murder. His father, Gregory McMichael, and the third defendant, William Roddy Bryan Jr., 
were also convicted on multiple counts of felony murder. All three men could face life in prison. The story that broke over the weekend and is dominating the news right now is the newly discovered Omicron variant of the coronavirus. In case you are wondering, Omicron is the 15th character in the Greek alphabet. They skipped two letters in naming this variant, the letters NU, NU, and G, XI. The WHO explaining they skipped the new NU variant because they were afraid people would confuse it with new as in N-E-W and they wanted to avoid confusion. And then they skipped G-X-I because, well, the president of China's name is Xi. So the WHO says it was all about avoiding confusion and preventing unnecessarily offending a large group of people. Okay. Omicron it is. And unfortunately, it's spreading really fast. It was first discovered in South Africa, but it's continued to spread with the Netherlands, Austria, and Canada reporting their first cases. Joining South Africa, Australia, the UK, Germany, Belgium, Israel, and Italy, countries that have all detected infections with the variant. So in response, more countries are tightening travel restrictions. Israel and Japan banning entry to all foreigners. Australia restricted travel from several African countries. Britain resumed mask mandates and PCR tests for visitors. Dr. Fauci on Sunday said that the variant would inevitably reach the U.S., so the country must step up vaccination efforts to be ready. President Biden will update the nation today. Meanwhile, Moderna's chief medical officer on Sunday said they could release a coronavirus vaccine adjusted to fight the Omicron variant by early 2022. South Africa is complaining that they shouldn't be punished for having the medical expertise that identified the Omicron variant. Now, as for how far a nation should go in trying to contain a global pandemic, check out Switzerland. They're voting on it. Polls closed today in a Swiss referendum on the country's COVID restrictions. If a majority votes no, the law that requires a vaccination certificate or negative test for entry into many public places will be repealed. Switzerland is currently experiencing record high infection rates, similar to those affecting Germany and Austria. About two-thirds of the population has been vaccinated. Polls suggest that voters will opt to leave COVID restrictions in place. Smart people there in Switzerland. In other news, the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell starts Monday in a Manhattan courtroom. She allegedly conspired with Jeffrey Epstein to entice minor females to travel to engage in criminal sex activity. She's pleaded not guilty. The 59-year-old Maxwell faces six counts related to her alleged involvement in a sex trafficking scheme to get underage girls to travel and engage in illegal sex acts with Epstein and others. Jeffrey Epstein was found dead in his jail cell more than two years ago as he awaited trial on sex trafficking charges. The New York City medical examiner ruled his death a suicide by hanging. Maxwell has pleaded not guilty. If convicted, she faces up to 70 years in prison. Another high-profile case gets started tomorrow as jury selection begins in the trial of Kim Potter on Tuesday. She's the former police officer in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, accused of fatally shooting Dante Wright during a traffic stop in April. You'll remember her. She says she mistook her service weapon for a taser. She's charged with manslaughter. 
On to the January 6th investigation. Congressman Adam Schiff, a Democrat on the committee investigating the attack, says a decision could come this week over whether to refer former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows for criminal contempt charges for defying his subpoena. Others in the same boat are Roger Stone, conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, and other key figures from the Stop the Steal movement. Judges from the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals will also soon hear Trump's latest effort to stop the National Archives from turning over any documents to the committee. And finally, this is the week that the Supreme Court will hear arguments over that Mississippi law that bans abortion after 15 weeks. It's a direct challenge to Roe v. Wade. The hearing is happening on Wednesday. Good luck to us all. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and The Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is fully listener-supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on that Donate button.